We have two special guests in the studio for this week's episode of the Crossroads Podcast. I'm your host, Rob, and joining me today are two filmmakers from New York City. They are currently producing a short film titled Hold to Dash. Join me after the music for an exclusive interview with Jordan Sims and Leo Winters. Joining me today is writer Leo Winters and producer Jordan Sims. Say hi, guys. How's it going? Hi, everyone. Hi, Rob. Hello. Thanks for having us. Thanks for joining me today. I'm very excited for this very special episode. For sure. And I did I did uh, listen to some of the episodes across roads oh, leading up did. to this. I did. I, I think my favorite, I think the funniest concept out of any of them was the one where you did uh, Weekend at Bernie's and Swiss Army Man. <laughs> That that, was... <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, pretty good pairing, if I do say so myself. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I listened to a few. Great, um, that's good news. Glad to hear we're making our way down to New York City. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. me and Jordan, we're just such uh, powerful elite filmmakers here in New York City with our uh, with our crowdfunding campaign that's made millions of dollars, you know. Yeah, and here we are at our little <laughs> podcast just to kidding. help you get millions more. Yeah, even more. <laughs> so I've known you guys for a couple of years. We all went to Buff State together in the film program. And yeah. I figured uh, our audience doesn't really know you. So I, my name's Leo Winters. Um, I'm a screenwriter. Uh, I went to, you know, just like general film school, took general film classes like uh, Jordan and I assume Rob did. But you know, I, I found the only thing that I actually thought that I was really good at was screenwriting. Um, so that's kind of just what I gravitated towards. I have been watching a lot of stuff by Rainer Werner Fassbender lately. Um, wow, that is pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, it's, no, feel free. Um, and I really like, I like Vincent Gallo. I like the movie Buffalo 66. That's a favorite of mine. Um, well, you I went like, to school in Buffalo, so you have to like Buffalo 66. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's fair. It's, it's um, a mandatory viewing. Is it? I, I, I bet if you ask Jordan if he's seen it, he hasn't. So it can't be I have mandatory. Uh, well, um, Jordan, you just lost your filmmaker cred. There okay. you go. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. It was at zero. Now it's at negative one. That's just kidding. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I like Coen Brothers movies. Raising Arizona is my favorite. Um, and Terrence Malick movies. And that's what comes to mind right away. Okay. Some of it's a little pretentious, but you know, <laughs> sometimes if you're in the the film industry, you got to be a little pretentious to stick out. Yeah, you got to impress the uh, the film bros and the film ladies. Exactly. You know? How about Jordan? Let's hear some of your inspirations. I would say, like, a big fan of Edgar Wright, um, because he makes nearly perfect movies, uh, and they're so fun. And I'd also say, like, Christopher Nolan and the Coen brothers. Yeah. uh, Just because, like, they do a really good job at making entertainment and art. Um, Yeah. So I kind of like that blend of... You know, they they can appeal to the critic and, like, the everyday man. Some more, like, (laughs) mass market pleasers with a little higher brow writing. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. It can get deeper if you want it to, but there's also plenty of stuff to enjoy at the surface level. It's as deep as you want it to be. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I heard Tenet wasn't that good, but I also didn't see it. Tenet's so fine if you could want to read subtitles for three hours. <laughs> okay, yeah, I heard the sound mix was really uh, in favor of the music and not the dialogue. That, and since they're wearing masks the whole time, everything sounds muffled. You need a decoder. Oh. Wait, they're wearing masks like COVID masks no, in like, the film? No, no. No, um, more like, oh, okay. like oxygen like... masks. Oh, uh, okay, gotcha. Okay. But enough Before about I hear masks. I, yeah. Enough about other people's films. Why don't you guys tell the audience what <laughs> your your films about and what you hope to accomplish with your crowdfunding campaign? Sure. Um. So, Hold to Dash is a short film about a professional video game speedrunner and streamer. His name is Neil Durst. Um. Now, a lot of people don't know what speedrunning is, and I acknowledge that for sure. It's um. It's just a type of competitive gaming that's become pretty popular online. Um, basically, people trying to get the world record at beating certain games as quickly as possible. Um, and there's this really devoted cult following to speedrunning. Um, so that's kind of the world that Neil inhabits is the this rabid kind of cult fan base of his. Um, but... The film also explores his life outside of that, which is very kind of lacking. He doesn't have very many social connections, um, and he sort of tries to break out of his routine of isolation because he's kind of dissatisfied with it, and it doesn't work out very easily for him because he doesn't really know how to be social. (laughs) Leo, have you ever done a speedrun? I have not. <laughs> I, 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 I've played, you know, plenty of games. I've watched plenty of speedrunners, but um, I haven't tried it myself, actually. I don't think I'd be good at it, frankly. I'm not that good of a, of yeah. a gamer. And speedrunners, they tend to, like, they're, they go beyond being, like, obsessively good at the games. They, like, know them down to these, like, specific little frames and moments. Yeah, they you know, know how to glitch a single frame at exactly the right time something that comes to mind to me is in ocarina of time if from what i can remember if you backflip like right as the first Mm -hmm. boss appears you just teleport to the end game wow (laughs) that's funny um yeah so you see some something like that would be you could use that in a certain kind of speed running now there's different kinds of speed Mm -hmm. running there's uh there's ones that are called glitchless or 100%, which are basically glitchless is pretty self-evident. You can't use any glitches, right? Yeah. So you can't you can't do that and have a glitchless speed run. 100% means that you complete everything in the mm-hmm. game that they want you to before you finish the game. So again, you couldn't do that. But there's also any percent speed run, and any percent is you could do that, and it would count. I saw one you know? the other day. I think it was, I want to say, like a 15-hour speed run of Breath of the Wild with three wow. hearts, zero damage, 100%. Wow. Zero damage? Zero damage. <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean, th- that's why this stuff fascinates me is because it's so crazy to think about what some of these people can do. And it's like mm-hmm. the amount of skill and like precision it takes. And what what's really fascinating to me is like how much dedication that stuff takes, but also how it's perceived by most of the world, which is like 
most people don't even know what that is and they frankly they don't care yeah you know it's and that's kind of what fascinates me about it there's a small group there's a cult following that are like really into this stuff but a lot of people in neil's life and a lot of people i assume in these people's lives just like they just have no perception of what these people are doing you know but speedrunning can go beyond just for entertainment every year yeah. Um, I forget what company it is off the top of my head, but they do a speed run for charity every year. And... Yep. Yeah. Um, Games Done Quick, yes, I think yes, it's called. That's what it is. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big thing. That's yeah, a big They event, make definitely. thousands of millions. dollars every year. Millions now? I think it was millions. Like, by yeah, the I end, I that. think it was millions. That's crazy. I mean, that's that's the thing. Speedrunning is, is a fringe thing, but it's also not because you see something like that and you're like, wow, that's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it, that's what that's another thing that interests me about it is it's fringe, but it's also not. It kind of depends who you're talking to, what circles you're in. You know, that's a lot of what appealed yeah. to me about it. You know, and um, in in the scripts, so I I also wrote a feature script that that's maybe a thing I shouldn't get into, but um, but I also wrote a feature script, and in the feature script, the character of Neil um. You know, he, he interacts with his family and different people in his life, and they just have no understanding of what it means to be a professional speedrunner or a professional streamer. They're just like, how do you make your money again? They just don't, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's and something that, that's a lot of people. It's something that I think older generations just can't really grasp because the internet yeah. and video games in general are just so new to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, speedrunning is even, like, more specific than just, like, yeah. okay, so yeah. they can wrap their head around playing a video game, but then speedrunning is, like... It's like that subculture it, within the subculture. Yeah, you know, and I, and it's also, in my opinion, it, it, it kind of just works as just an obsessive love of, like, anything, you know? Like, I, I think compared to some people, I'm very obsessive about, say, like, movies, you know, or something yeah. like that. And, and, you know, you guys probably are... I mean, I know you guys are, too. Yeah, so, um, I, we wouldn't be on the show if we yeah, were obsessed exactly. with movies. Yeah, right, right. Um, <laughs> and so it's like... I, I That's a lot of what I can relate to in terms of a character like Neil or these speedrunners, is people who are just so, like obsessive about things like that that a lot that you talk half the people you talk to are like oh that's cool and then half the people are like they just they they don't care when you know when you were creating the character of neil durst did you take inspiration more from characters that you fell in love with throughout your life or more from people you've met in your everyday life um well in terms of him as a character it's it's sort of a a mash of I, I mean, I, I'll be honest, there's a lot of me, there's a lot of my brother, um, and that's mixed in with some actual speedrunners that I uh, that I started watching. Um, and uh, the other characters, yeah, they relate to uh, real people that I've met in my life, but also some of them are a little bit, I'll be honest, some of the characters that I write are are a little more like, representative of something you know okay like rather than like a super fleshed out human being it depends on if they have a bunch of screen time or if they kind of just pop up to say something you know but yeah generally they're people from my life and in neil's case actual uh speedrunners that i've seen bits and pieces from them uh what genre Um, would you say you you would like hold the dash to be i mean i 
I call it a dark comedy, and I think I'd like to stick with that. You know, if you have to, you know, uh, slap something on it like that. I, I think dark comedy probably fits the best because I, you know, there's elements in the script that I hope are, I at least hope are funny. Um, but there's also, uh, it's also played in this very sort of like. Uh, realistic way where I, th- I think where the dark part comes in is kind of just um, Neil's a very isolated person and kind of uh, kind of a bitter guy um, and just not very uh, socially adapted to the world and I think when you see somebody's life uh, on a day-to-day basis like that and you really get in close to what their life is like it's not always pretty you know it can be a little dark um, and I think that's where the dark aspect comes in. But I also want to make it funny. And I think that there's humor throughout the script, I would say. Without spoiling too much, uh, you want to share some of the dark places you, you took this film? Well, I, it, to, 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 I guess if to be a little more specific, um, one, of the, one of the parts of it is that um, Neil's audience, um, Neil's audience is... The, the best way I can describe their sense of humor, and a lot of it is them joking around okay. and exchanging messages with Neil. The best way I can I can sum up their sense of humor is like 4chan edgelord kind of thing. Ah, uh, yes. You know? I know exactly um, what you're talking about. Yeah, right, right. Some people will, yeah, will immediately yeah. know what I mean when it's I say very, that. It's um, a very niche sense of humor there. Right, right. Um, but, you know, that is based on there was a few speedrunners that I was watching and that was really kind of the vibe and the sense of humor of their audiences. And um, I just thought it was interest. I, I, I thought there was something fascinating about it because like um, it's like, how do I explain um, the, the anonymity of just having a username and sending messages online People really, can say whatever they want. It's almost like a masquerade. Yes. Yeah, with no with no uh, repercussions. So in a way, you know, you kind of get, you know, all you could argue you get the more real person, yeah. you know, in a situation like that because they can, they don't have to put on airs. They can say things, and also it becomes this thing where it's like, okay, I'm I'm gonna just like let loose with all this stuff that I can't yeah. say in my life, you know, and uh, so. so I suppose that that's part of the uh, dark aspect of the film is that some people are just, I'll be honest, some people are just immediately going to be turned off if they're sensitive to that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, if they if they see a joke about some group or some violent thing or something that they just, you know, yeah, they're they're not going to like that. But that is honestly, I just wanted to depict it in a realistic manner, you know? Yeah. And just yeah. sort that's of the like best be about to... the internet, you know? It's yeah. like, yeah. And that's the best way to really portray these subcultures because if, if you're not genuine, the people in mm. that group, they're not going to relate to it and they won't like the movie. But mm-hmm. if you're honest, then everybody knows what that subculture is all about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and you know, I'll also be honest and I'll clarify, not all of speedrunning and speedrunning chat rooms and fans are like that. Yeah. Um, a lot of them are are not. I would almost say most of them are not. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but there's but, always that I, one or two in the crowd with the, there's, the bad apples. Yes, and there's a, there's a few um, speedrunners that I would watch where that really was the prevailing 
feel and sense of humor of the of the chat room and th- that kind of was just um that was more interesting to me than the kind of more tame uh you know fan bases yeah. that some of these guys have and y- y- you know we have uh I don't know if I should mention this. Jordan can tell me if I shouldn't. You know, we can cut it or something. Yeah. But we've all we've also uh, we've also butted heads a little bit with people on um, the speedrunning subreddit because they because they um, they watched the video and they saw how the character is depicted and stuff like that, and they sort of viewed it as this is a representation of speedrunning as a whole, yeah. you know? But it's really not intended to be. It's a character movie, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's about this guy and his fan base. It, the point of the movie is not saying, this is what all speedrunners and speedrunning fans are like. The point is, it is sort of just like, it, it's about a specific guy and his fan base, but of course, it's hard to advertise a character study, so it seemed to make much more sense for us to say, hey, this is the first speedrunning movie. You know what I mean? Hold the Dash is a character study about Neil Durst. So when you guys were scouting for actors and actresses, what were some of the main qualities you were looking for? Um, so our lead is uh, a guy named Jack Dunphy, and he... Um, He's mainly like a screenwriter and filmmaker and animator. He uh, has a short film that's in Slam Dance, I guess, um, this year. Uh, but um, I saw him in a film from 2017 called Assholes. That's the name of the movie. I can't. <laughs> um, and uh, he's he's basically the lead in that movie. There's there's three leads, and they all get about the same amount of screen time. And I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was really funny in it. I thought he was the best part of the movie. And I thought he was perfect to be Neil because, you know, he ha- he has the right look. You know, he looks like the kind of guy who could, uh, you know, let's say live Neil's kind of lifestyle. Um, and by that, I just mean he's not, he doesn't have the that sort of traditional leading man type look. Um, but at the same time, he had this, he was really funny and he had this sort of like confidence to him in every scene that I saw him in. And I thought that that was perfect because in order for Neil to be a character, in my view, that anybody could like really get behind because he, you know, he acts like a jerk for a lot of the film. So I felt like in order for the uh, people who watched the movie to be able to get behind him and root for him. He really needed to be kind of have some level of like confidence and like humor to him. Did you, you know? have him do a casting call or as soon as you saw his movie, you, you just had him picked. Up? I, I just reached out to him asking if he would be in it really. Um, and uh, eventually we had him like send over a video of him just reading some lines, but that was after I told him, Hey, I want you to, uh, to be in this movie. So yeah, there wasn't really like an audition or anything like that. You know, we wanted him. Um, and, uh, so, and then the other, uh, actor we have is Jesse Pinnock. Um, she was in a movie, I think also from 2017 called Princess Sid. And that's a, it's like a coming of age movie directed by Stephen Cohn, I think is the director. Um, and for a while you could watch it on like Criterion channel. I think it's on Hulu now, but I watched it. It was a, it was a really good uh, sort of like coming of age, you know, subtle yeah. Uh, yeah. movie. 
and but she's the lead she's in like every scene of that movie and she's really great in it uh so we were glad to get her too did you have her do a casting call or did you already have her in mind well, I didn't have her in mind. The reason she she got on board because she's really uh, good friends with Jack. And as soon as I saw her, though, I was like, yeah, she'll be great for this. So Jordan, since you're the producer of this film, what are some of the goals you wish to accomplish via crowdfunding versus going through a typical studio? I would say, like, I mean... I think crowdfunding is like one of the most useful tools as an indie filmmaker. It's really hard to get money in general, um, especially something on a short that doesn't earn money generally. Like you, you do this for the esteem, the acclaim, to get into festivals, to meet other filmmakers. Shorts are generally like stepping stones to the bigger and better. We do have, like I mentioned before, we do have like a feature script, same character, same base, general storyline. You know, obviously yeah. there's a lot more in it. So but... if, if the short does well in the festival circuit, are you hoping for a chance at a feature? I mean, that would be amazing. I'm not necessarily expecting it, but that is kind of... Um... But if it happens, you got the script ready to go. Yeah, which I think, it, yeah, it, it's already written. We have a third person joining our call. John, please introduce yourself. My name's John Hammond. Uh, I'm the director on the project. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been a director-producer combo for like three or four years independent. Um, and I mostly uh, work in comedy. That's when I got my start. Um, and still like, kind of what I love to do the most. Um, but I also do other stuff. But when Leo approached me with this script, probably... Uh, what was it, like a year ago now, Leo? Right? It's it's been a it's been a disgustingly yeah. long time. <laughs> um, but uh, but Leo but Leo's script I love the script because it uh, you know it's not straight up comedy it's somewhere in between a drama and a comedy it's like a dark comedy which I really enjoy so uh, so yeah I was I was on board immediately and you know like Leo said it's been a it's been a journey pulling it together and we're still in the process but um, but yeah now, that's now we're here. How did yeah. how did the three of you guys meet? Well, with with, uh, with I know you know Jordan and I went to uh, college yes. together. Um, we went to both so I guess how did um, Jordan and Leo yeah, meet with, John? Well, so I I, I met John. Um, it was really one of those things where I was just like cold emailing people my script because I just, I didn't know what to do with it. I I'm still kind of clueless about that whole aspect of. So I was just like cold emailing people. You know, if I saw somebody who had like uh, cool stuff up online, then I would just I would just email them uh, and say, hey, like this. And I saw some of uh, John's uh, YouTube videos, and I was like, these are really hilarious. I would love to have, like, a comedy director behind this or somebody who's good with comedy because I always thought the script was funny, but I really wanted somebody who could, like, bring the humor out of the script because I know it's also very dark. That's why I kind of liked the idea of having somebody who knows comedy behind it rather than somebody who mostly deals with, like, super serious subject matter. Once you two met, how many revisions of the script did you do? Uh, I don't know at this 
point. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it wasn't crazy, but you know, there's been a few. Um, you know, and nothing. And a lot of them weren't like major. A lot of them were kind of just like, hey, how about you know tweaking this thing, that thing. You know, we, we, it's funny. We we we've had discussions, both me and John, and me and Jordan, about the protagonist, and just like, is anyone gonna like this guy? How do we, you know? And I mean, so I've had to tweak him and change certain things about him. And, and you know, he's still a character who I think is really true to like who I wanted him to be in the script that that's definitely been a talking point you know because some people I've always liked movies that where the the protagonist kind of it's kind of a push-pull thing you know one minute they're sort of pushing you away and you don't like them and then the next minute they're kind of pulling you in and you're like oh wow I like that he said that or he did that it's cliche but I think that's kind of more true to people a lot of the time people aren't usually you know just great people or just bad people and that's kind of how i view him um so so on your crowdfunding page you say video games are often portrayed as a lesser form of art and are written off as jokes in your script Mm -hmm. do you intend on flipping this to portray real sports such as football or basketball as jokes well you know on honestly like that's a funny idea but to be honest with you so neil's world the life he leads is is pretty insulated he kind of just uh mostly just comes into contact with people who are into the same types of things as him people who are similar to him so honestly like there didn't seem to me to be like organic places within the script to put in sports or sports fans um there's a little bit of that in the feature script um just because i might have mentioned this before but just because uh neil there's neil's family is in it and certain people from older generations who really have no understanding of what he's doing and what speed running is what streaming is and so they're portrayed as a little bit like a little clueless a little out of touch but no, like the sports thing was never really part of the script either way, although that's a funny idea, you know. So since Neil's kind of in his own bubble and his family doesn't really understand it, in the real world, how long do you guys think it'll be until gamers are really taken seriously? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess it depends on what you mean by taken seriously. Um, I mean, you know, th- th- there's a there's a bunch of people right now who, of course, take it very seriously but do i think that that uh esports is ever going to be like the super bowl where families you know sit around on the couch and you know watch it once a day i I don't think it's ever gonna achieve that you know i don't think so um i think it will probably i think it'll kind of take over a lot of entertainment like we're already seeing it it's becoming more and more mainstream and it is because it's just different than all the other um entertainment and art forms out there right now due to the amount of interactivity there is uh with a video game um there's a lot of newscasts where they they show these young kids winning millions of dollars in these contests so the more people who see that, I feel like they think, I can do that. And there was a kid in Pennsylvania a couple of months ago. He won like $2 million playing Fortnite. Yep. Oh, Fortnite, I see. That's a whole other... That's a whole other <laughs> yeah. piece, but it's still yeah. a video game, a very competitive sport. For sure, it is, yeah. I mean, um, 
I, you know, I guess I can see, like, when these kids like that are, like, adults, maybe at that point, the the way popular entertainment is will be, like, completely different, and that'll be, like, the Super Bowl, like yeah. I said. But I don't see that being the case maybe until then. Yeah. Probably, like, 20 to 30 years, I would think. Right. Then I think things will look a lot different. <laughs> been it's been exponential the popularity of video games just think about where it was 10 years ago to now like it's been in, it's increased dramatically yeah. that's definitely true you know and i and i think that's part of the reason why i felt this sort of like urgency with this project is because i really kind of wanted to get it out there while you could still argue that this stuff is kind of fringe you know yeah because yeah. you know eventually down the line there's going to be lots of movies that deal with gaming and you know speed running and streaming mm -hmm. even now you're seeing little bits of it and so i was really like oh i, I want to get this out there while it's still a little bit of a like subculture yeah you, know? you want to be the first to do it right for sure that's always uh, an appealing thing we aren't exactly you know there's been there's been movies about gaming and yeah. stuff like that yeah. before but like uh, I guess in the specific sense of speedrunning, sure. John, this next question's for you. Yeah. As director on this project, what influences and design choices do you intend to take to really make this stand out above the other video game-centric movies out there? So there, I think there's a lot we can do with it. Visual choices when he's outside of sort of the realm of video games have been important to me. Um, lighting and also like like kind of like using our visual choices to push sort of neil's mental state you know he's like he's very much so lives in like we've talked about this very isolated world in his room where most of his world is this you know online community so it's been you know um making the spaces around him in the in the real world you know kind of reflect where he's at so making his bedroom very dark and, and sort of cavernous and making the outside world when he does go out into the outside world very bright and overwhelming and stimulating but um i think uh i think one of the biggest pro uh, one of the biggest hurdles that we're coming across the interactions that he has especially in the beginning of the script are uh virtual so he's he's uh speaking with people over chat over the chat room on his stream to kind of figure out how how we can do that dynamic and like fun way has been a challenge that i think i i'm still trying to figure out but you know definitely it, it being a video game movie comes with its own set of challenges but i think the, the the amount of video game movies that aren't out there really allows us to like try to do something new which is cool so you guys yeah. kind of have room to do whatever you want without looking cliche yeah we can get we can yeah, get experimental I, yeah like like i don't think that there is a movie that has um that same kind of interaction like you know with the stream and the uh the chat on neil's stream me and John also talked a little bit about similar visuals and movies that he liked. And I think I remember, John, you mentioning like the Safdie Brothers movies and just you really like that kind of like really bright neon sort of like color palette. Mm -hmm. And I think that I, I, I'm totally in the same place uh, in terms of loving that aesthetic style. And I think that it works, you know, Neil's uh, you see a lot of these gamer setups and they have those kind of like colored string lights. So I think there's a lot of fun stuff we can do with that. What is so, Neil's I, game of choice? So the the game Neil plays is, is, is called Fables of Wolfshire. It's a fake, it's not a real game. You know, we don't have the licensing for a real game. It's based off of, in my view, it was based off of uh, Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. I don't know if you know that oh, one. Oh yeah, um, I love that but game. That, that, that was the one that was always in my mind in terms of the time period and the look of it. 
that's so. obviously going to take up a chunk of the movie. Do you have anyone on, on board to produce that game for you? The last time I heard when I was talking about this with Jordan, we, we kind of figured that the idea of making an actual playable game, it's just a little unrealistic in terms of the, the workload and the amount of people we would require for it. So we sort of decided we would get a good animator who could replicate the style and just animate something that looks like a game like that. We could get a higher quality M product for the film. Money towards animation will go a lot further than money towards making a playable version of a game. Yeah, yeah and I mean, even making a short game, the amount of time and like people and effort and money that goes into it is crazy. It would totally be, it would honestly be like having two projects and financial ventures going on simultaneously yeah all right i got one last question for you guys on your crowdfunding page you state video games and social media can turn into an unhealthy obsession have either of you experienced this and what was your low point and how did you break free from it um sure yeah i mean i I, i've experienced that you you know it's funny i you read that back to me and it, it it almost makes it sound like I want to clarify we're not we're not making like a PSA here where we're like talking about the uh, dangers of gaming too much. I hope and I think that we're portraying gaming and stuff like that in a more complex way than just you know um, than just uh, a negative thing. Um, it, it's also a very positive thing for Neil because he that's how he interacts with people you know um, but at the same time, the thing is, if, if you're somebody like Neil and you your whole life revolves around something that doesn't require you to leave your apartment or even your bedroom, there's other parts of your life that are just going to, like, take uh, the back burner or be negatively affected from that, you know? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I haven't had that experience with video games specifically. Um, for me, it's more just, like, the internet in general. Um you know, writing is something that takes so much time and concentration and the internet and your phone and all that is just designed to just break your concentration, like consciously limit my amount of time spent on the internet on my phone or else it just gets out of control. And there was times when I was just doing it too much and I couldn't be productive. What methods work best for you for getting off the internet and being productive? I haven't found anything. Yeah. I mean, some people, you know, I don't know if this is the case with you, John, but some people can, you know, work creatively well, even with that stuff. It, it might just be me that just really needs to not have my phone or laptop anywhere near me. I'm with you, Leo. When I sit down to be productive and write, I just get so distracted. I just can't physically focus unless I'm staring at the screen and force myself to do it. Yeah. I, I agree with you guys. I was saying um, I, haven't, I haven't found a solution of getting around the, the distractions of, of you know, the phone <laughs> and, the, and the internet and stuff. It's, it's incredibly distracting. I agree. The thing that worked for me, and again, like it doesn't always work for me. I haven't been able to do this consistently throughout my life. So I don't want to be like, oh, I've figured out how to do this, you know, because yeah. that's not the case. So the, the first like draft of like this film, I didn't write on my computer. I wrote it in a notebook. I couldn't do it on like my computer. I, I had to put my laptop in a separate room, put my phone in a separate room, and sit in a room with a notebook. And that was the only way that I could do it. All right, do you guys have any last words you want to say to our listeners? 
I've, I've been very lucky to have like a very supportive friends and family who've been helping out a lot with this project. But you know, it's it, it, it's it's tough to find a wider audience um, with this stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you hear this podcast and this sounds like something that you'd be interested in seeing, um, yeah, I mean, donate just like whatever you can. And if you can't donate, you know, if, I mean, if it's like 10 bucks, then like, we'd love that. If, if you can donate, then, you know, maybe you know follow us on social media send our social media to somebody who maybe can donate or just in general share it around and that's just like unbelievably appreciated all right Um, that was jordan sims leo winters and john hammond here to talk about their new film hold to dash if you would like to donate to their film you can find that on seedandspark.com just search for hold to dash I've been your host, Rob. Thank you for listening to this episode of Crossroads.